Have you ever waited for something for a really long time? I can remember back to 2007 when my wife Bonnie was pregnant with our oldest child, Sadie. She went to a prenatal appointment at the end of September and they told her you could give birth any day now. We were so excited, we were anticipating this. That was the end of September. Fast forward to after Canadian Thanksgiving. Sadie didn't show up until the 18th of October. Lots of days in between when we were first told about her arrival and when she finally came. And that waiting, that waiting was agonizing, excruciating at times. We just wanted to be through this season and we wanted to be on to what was next. It was such a joyous day of celebration when she finally arrived and then we just had this expectation set in with us. Oh my goodness, we were now responsible for another living, breathing human being. What were we gonna do? That sequence in life probably is familiar to all of you, whether that's because you've been a parent or because you've been in a posture of waiting for something else. Today we're gonna look at a story from scripture in the book of Acts in chapter two, and we're gonna uncover a little bit more about what do we do when we're in the middle of waiting, when we're longing to power up and experience something beyond our current reality. So if you have a Bible with you, I wanna invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter two. If you're not familiar with how to navigate through a Bible, right at the beginning, there's a table of contents. It's got page numbers and where all the books of the Bible begin. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books, so it can be challenging to navigate your way through it. So don't worry if you have to use the table of contents to find out where you're going, or pick up your favorite mobile device and app your way on a Bible reading app of your choice, a few thumb taps, and you're gonna be right to where we're gonna be headed today in Acts chapter two. I'm gonna be reading the first eight verses from this portion of scripture. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. In order to understand the fullness of this story, let's back up a little bit and get a little background context and backstory for what we just dove into. It starts with a conversation that Jesus has with some of his, his closest friends, his disciples, his, his closest followers, his first followers, some might say. It's contained actually in the book of, of John, a few books earlier than the book of Acts. In chapter 16, he talks to them about his coming death. He says to his friends like, I'm gonna be going away, but don't worry, when I go, somebody else is gonna come and take my place and be with you always. That would probably have seemed a little bit confusing to his friends as they, hold, as they heard him speak, partially because they were enjoying an unbelievable run of life. They were seeing their friend Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, somebody they looked up to perform miracles, 
He was healing sick people. He was restoring the sight of the blind. He was casting out demons. And not only that, he was also empowering them as his followers to do the very same things. They were participating in miracles that God was doing in the lives of the people that they cared about, those that they'd met for the first time and those that were really familiar to them. So they were hearing all of this and unpacking it all, this emotional reality that their best friend, somebody who had shown them a brand new way to live, the best way to live, was going to be leaving. They were, they were distraught, they were confused, and yet Jesus reassures them, again, don't worry. When I go, somebody's gonna be coming, with, coming to take my place to be with you. He was referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit and yet the Bible talks about Jesus being God, the Holy Spirit being God, and God the Father. And this is where so many Christians get confused, and so many people who aren't Christians get confused. Do Christians worship more than one God? What does that look like? What does that mean? So let's go back to the beginning. In the book of Genesis, it contains the evolution story of humankind. And I don't mean evolution by a scientific perspective. I mean the writing of the story of God and the story of humankind, how we came to be. And it evolves over time. What's cool in that text is as we read through it, we see that God in the beginning starts speaking and things are formed into motion. You've got light and darkness and sunshine and then the moon and stars and waves and and water, and birds, and all this great stuff. And when he comes to human beings, he says this about us. He talks to himself, and he says, let us, let us create human beings in our own image. Right there, he uses relational language. What that means is God in himself is relationship. He's community. He's got perfect connection, and community, and relationship within himself. That is unique. God invites us into that unfolding story, this three-part revelation of who he is. The Bible goes on to talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three distinct yet similar because they are the same God. They're not three gods, they are one God. So how do you understand that? That makes no sense on a human perspective. How can you be three in one consistently? I don't understand. Well, maybe some apple pie will help. There are three basic pieces to apple pie. You've got the crust, you've got the fruit filling, and then you've got the other filling, the sticky stuff, the stuff that holds it all together. Now, a great apple pie has all three that work in connection and relationship with each other so that everything tastes marvelously. When you don't have one of these elements at play, you don't have an apple pie, you have something else. You might prefer one of these elements. You might be saying, Man, I'm a crust person. I really like a light flaky crust. That's super awesome. Or maybe you're more concerned about the fruit filling. Are these, are these apples organic? Are they naturally ethically sourced? Or maybe you're a filling person. You're looking at the stuff that holds it all together. Regardless of what your perspective is or what your personal preference is, the apple pie isn't an apple pie without all three things working together. And let me tell you, it's really good when they do. Mm. 
delicious. In a similar, yet more, con more uh, detailed reality, God exists as community. It's really difficult for us to understand because we have a limited understanding of who God is. And so in our human level of framework, we have to find simple, different analogies for us in order to understand this, this God who desperately wants to be known by us, but yet is so much more than we can ever possibly imagine. And so God reveals himself as a relational God in community and invites us into that community. He is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all interconnected, none greater than the other, and that is who he is. So essentially, when Jesus is talking to his friends in John chapter 16, he's saying, don't worry, me in human form, you're not going to see me anymore, but I'm still going to be with you. I'm going to be with you because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to walk life with you and you will not be alone. Trust me, something great is coming. So these friends of his, these first followers, they start a season of waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they don't know when it's going to happen, but they're waiting. Actually, a few verses before the, the verses that we read in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, which is absolutely incredible. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus reminded him just before he went away that he, don't worry, you're going to get this power-up moment, this experience. The very presence of the creator of the universe is going to walk life with you if you want to walk life with him. And from that moment on, you're going you're gonna to have what you need in order to do what it is that I've asked you to do. The problem is in the waiting. I got to tell you, when we were waiting for Sadie to arrive, as I said already, it was excruciating. Day after day, was this going to be the day? Was this going to be the day? What about now? What about now? Oh, is something happening? What's going on? When is this going to finally take shape? When will we see her little face? It was excruciating. It was long. It was hard. It was frustrating. It was filled with emotional highs and lows. And the greatest lesson that we were learning in the moment is could we worship in the waiting? See, in Acts chapter 2, when these people are getting together, that's what they were doing. That's what they were focused on. They knew if they would get together and worship and celebrate who God is and tell stories about what they'd seen him do in them and through them and around them, that, that that would keep them in the right mindset, in the right heart set, in the right posture in order to experience who God is today and tomorrow. In the waiting, in the moment, in the thing that you're craving right now the most, are you worshiping? Are you telling God who he is? Worship is simply reminding ourselves who we are and reminding God who he is. And most importantly, reminding us of who God is. That's what worship is. In our every being, our thought, our actions, our words, Everything that we do and say is an act of worship, an act of celebration as to who God is. And when you're in that moment of waiting, longing to be powered up and fueled up by the presence of God, would you worship? Would you worship? 
Finally, when that power-up moment comes, that experience where God meets you in the middle of your questions, your frustrations, when there's no other way forward and God reveals himself to you in whatever way he chooses to do, whether that's through seeing something cool in nature, through, through a firsthand miracle of what he's about to do, or anything else, that is your power-up moment. As this community of believers was gathered together and they worshiped in the beginning of Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came down and fueled them, inspired them. And that was the very first time that the presence of God was poured out in abundance to human beings. Prior to then, it was very, very selective in what God chose to do because he can't exist where things are less than perfect. So he needed somebody and something to right-size everything, to restore it to its original design. And that was what the sacrifice with the life of Jesus, his death on a cross, his resurrection to life three days later, that's what he accomplished, allowing, allowing room for the presence of God to dwell with us from now till the end of time. It's so amazing. This power-up moment happens, and finally, finally, these people, they start to understand, oh, this is what it means to, for God to be with us. Not that everybody's going to speak in, in a foreign language, but that God is going to give us exactly what we need in every moment at the right time to do what he has accomplished and asked us to do. You come from a waiting season to a power-up moment, an experience of who God is, a supernatural encounter, and then you're left with this expectation. What does that mean and what does that look like? Well, for those of us who journey with Jesus, there's an expectation, an expectation that we are going to participate in his unfolding plan for the world. And his unfolding plan for the world is that everybody would have the opportunity to experience the truth about who he is. So in the way we talk, in the way we act, in the way we choose to live, those of us who've waited for an encounter, who've been fueled by the power of God, and now we're in this next phase of development of our lives, we're expected to partner with what, what, with what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives and through the lives of those around us. What that means is sometimes we are gonna to have to open up our mouth and speak and share words of hope. And sometimes it is gonna mean we have to keep our mouth closed and use our hands and use our feet and use our strength and use our finances and use the other things that God has given us to help people encounter who he is. Friends, I can't help but think that many of us find ourselves in one of these three different realities in the moment. Maybe we're waiting for something, waiting for God to show up. Maybe we're actually experiencing the presence of God in a deep, profound way in our quiet time with him, or as we go on a prayer walk, or in our questions, or our pain, or our agony, or our despair, or our financial reality. In our waiting for this COVID-19 season to end, maybe we are seeing God move. And for those of us who've seen God move, maybe we now have the opportunity to share that with those around us freely through what we say, through what we do, through how we choose to live, especially, especially in this season where everybody seems to be afraid. 
So what if you and I, we chose to allow God to power us up so that we can partner with what he wants to do in us, through us, and around us to a really deep, profound level? Would we have the courage to step into what God has for us? To leave behind what we know and trust that there's something better in store in front of us? Can we be like this group of people found in the second chapter of Acts that experienced something they never had before and yet found a way to be okay in the uncomfortable reality of the newness, the unknown, trusting that God is with us wherever we go? You might be saying, Jason, that sounds really great, but let's get real for a moment. What does that look like? I've been doing a lot of prayer walking during this COVID-19 season, and I've become a little bit more in tune with birds. And what I mean by that is I like to bird watch and find different species, watch what they do, where they fly, how they nest, things like that. There's two in particular that I'm reminded of right now. The first is the magpie. We've got these guys that come into our backyard all the time. They are loud, they are obnoxious, they're bullies. They take everything from every other kind of bird, destroy nests, smash eggs, do what they can to make sure that they are heard and they are known. On the polar opposite of that, you've got a dove. A dove is quiet and gentle. A dove, you have to approach very cautiously so they don't get spooked. But it's a beautiful bird. When people release birds to celebrate their wedding, they don't release magpies, they release doves. It's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of life and of light and of gentleness and kindness. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is much more like a dove than he is like a magpie. The invitation to experience who God is, is there all of the time. But it's up to you and I whether we want to embrace that invitation or not. Perhaps for the first time, you're listening to something like this and you're going, I think that I've tried everything else on the planet. And I think I want to give this whole God thing a try. Well, I want to encourage you one simple way. is just say, yes, Jesus, I'm ready. Let's do things your way. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a very long time and you're like, that's great, but I'm still afraid. I'm still anxious. I'm still frustrated. I get easily angered. I don't think that I'm very, I reflect the character of this God that I'm supposed to serve very well. What do I do about that? Well, how about you invite God into every single moment that you experience along the way? The frustration, the joy, the happiness, the sadness, the anger, every emotion you invite God to participate with you. See what he might do in you, through you. See what he might do to change the way you think, change the way you experience your present and future reality. Maybe, maybe it's just learning to see the world as God sees it, full of hope, full of life, full of opportunity, and it's partnering with what he wants to do in a real intentional way. Even if it means looking like a fool at the beginning, so that God can do something amazing and miraculous in the life of those that are watching you. Seems like a really interesting part of God's story. And I wanna encourage you throughout these next weeks to continue to dig into it. See what God has for you. Ask him, Lord, am, am I waiting for something? Do you need me to wait for something? Do I need to be powered up 
by your presence? Or what is it that you're expecting of me right now today? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the truth and the power of your word. I thank you for the hope that comes when we put our faith and our trust in you. When we build our lives on the truth that's found in the Bible, it is the best version of life on the planet. Father, I pray for anybody that needs to be encouraged today that you would inspire them exactly like these people in Acts chapter two that were waiting for an encounter with you. Would you meet them right in the middle of that posture of waiting? Even if that waiting is skepticism, would you meet them there? Would you do what it is that only you can do? And that is breathe life into every situation. Father, for those of us who are fueled up by you in your presence, are continually being refueled as we spend more and time, more and more time with you, would you allow us to partner with what you're doing in the lives of those around us, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, the people that you desperately care about? Would you allow us, allow us to partner with you and you, would you reveal yourself to them in a real miraculous way? Father, bless us this upcoming week as we seek you. We wanna be close to you. And as we draw close to you, would you draw close to us? We pray this in your name, amen.